We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott. The transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast powered by Twisted Tea. Today, we have the Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week, Jonathan Nichols on, former Ole Miss kicker. We talked about his career, the art of kicking the football, how he became a college kicker from Pillow Academy in Greenwood, Mississippi, the Eli Manning years, his short professional career that was pretty wild in its own right, and a whole lot more. Great guy. I really think you'll enjoy this conversation and take you down memory lane a bit. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Seaspire. Time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with Seaspire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why Seaspire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. Seaspire also prides themselves with best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award winning, local, based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. Seaspire provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and southern Alabama regions. Seaspire is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today and use promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you'll get one month of free service. So you get a free month of internet service and the best internet service in the market just for listening to this podcast. How about that? Check them out. Seaspire, customer inspired. This podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked that the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're a Skybox member, you went 11 and 4 on NFL picks over the weekend, plus 8.5 units. Some of you out there who didn't use Skybox, probably hurting in the wallet, probably hurting in the old Venmo account, having to pay the man. You should sign up to Skybox Sports Picks today. Go online, find a picks package within your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. You can try NFL. You can try college. You can try all the sports. I recommend going with a year-long all-access pass because you will make every year a profitable one with Skybox. You don't want to lose money this football season. Maybe we're a month and a half into this. Maybe you're already in a little bit of a hole. Use Skybox to help you pull out of it. They are the professionals. Their picks are based on data and modeling, not leans five minutes before kickoff. They'll send you picks in a nice color-coded spreadsheet, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were before signing up for Skybox. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, Skybox Sports Picks. 
Com. Real quick before we get to Jonathan, uh, I guess I don't do this often enough, but uh, I guess content plug announcement. We do have a story up on rebelgrove.com on Caden Priestcorn and how he went from a prep school quarterback with no FBS offers to an SEC tight end with an NFL future. We also talked about the journey along the way, losing his father, becoming a father and learning to appreciate the good in life as it comes. So he's a great guy. That's a great family. I really enjoy getting to know them a little bit more, at least getting to know their story a little bit more. So if you want to check that up, it's up on rebelgrove.com. I just probably need to start making a note of it when we post stuff like that. So it's up there, free to read. Check it out if you want to. All right, here's Jonathan Nichols. All right, we now welcome on the Oxford Ortho Letterman's Lounge Athlete of the Week, Ole Miss great Jonathan Nichols. I appreciate you joining the show, man. How are we doing? Doing good, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you were uh, coaching or watching some youth sports earlier tonight as we record this a little bit later on a Tuesday night. Are you coaching or are you just a bystander? Well, my son's in fifth grade. I was coaching the fourth and fifth up until this week. Our last was uh, last week, so I just took him out to watch the sixth grade play tonight. Okay, awesome. Is he a fellow MIS uh, uh Student, so I went to Jackson Academy. I know you went to Pillow. Is he? Uh, is he at PCS? What? Uh, where? Where's he? Uh, where's he playing sports at? He is. He's at PCS. Okay, awesome. So, I guess we'll just get started from the beginning. You were from Greenwood, Mississippi. You become a kicker at Ole Miss. You become one of the greatest kickers in Ole Miss school history. How does that happen? You're like six foot. I I, I read your uh, – they even have your rivals in uh, scout bio from back in the day. So you're like six foot 175. I can't imagine that was all you played in high school. How did you become a kicker? Uh, playing soccer, I probably – we lived um, in a place called Doddsville, Mississippi. Nobody really knows where that is. It's, it's closer to Cleveland than it is to Greenwood. Um, and so my dad jobs moved over to Greenwood and we followed and told us at Pillow Academy. And I started playing for probably when I was six years old and, um, just, just had a leg, you know, I can, um, I remember we were two, we were in seventh grade and then I was looking for a kicker and our coach lined up everybody on the team. And we were like halfway through, I was halfway in the line. Um, I kicked off once. And booted it, and uh, he said, "Do that again." And then he said, "All right, everybody, back to practice. We got a kicker." So, um, just started doing that from uh, seventh grade on, grade, and um, all throughout high school. I played, I played a little bit of quarterback and as well. Okay, so soccer—that's a pretty common path to, toward becoming a kicker. We were talking about it before we started recording. Um, you're a dentist and I work for a firm that owns a couple of dental practices. We we're actually talking to a guy out of Birmingham uh, a couple of weeks ago that was thinking about selling and his, uh, his son was a kicker, but the guy's British. So he's originally from England. So he played like the real football. Then I guess his kids got Americanized and he ended up going to kick in college at an SEC school. What is, uh, what is that transition like? What is it like being a soccer guy and then all of a sudden how to, learning how to kick in, like an oblong-shaped object through some some uprights? Like, what is the basics of learning that? Uh, I don't think too much different. I mean, of course, your your angle in on kicks is a little bit different with the soccer ball. You know, of course, everybody's going to bend it like Beckham, you know, and kick around the ball and different kinds of spin on the ball. And, I'm, you know, with a football, you just kick it straight. So – 
Um, it's a little bit on your angles and your approach, but overall, you know, you got usually most, I think that would transit for most guys that have a big leg in soccer that could probably figure out and probably uh, do pretty well kicking a football as well. So when did you realize you be, you could become a college kicker? At what point did that happen? Like you played, you mentioned you played some quarterback, like you're doing a bunch of different stuff football wise. When did you realize like, okay, I'm pretty good at this and I might could actually do this at the next level. And then ultimately, obviously the SEC level. Well, they had a Auburn kicking camp, which it was, a um, it was Carol White camp, but they were all over the country, but Auburn was probably this one to me at the time. So I think I was in the summer of eighth grade going into ninth grade. And my dad took me over there to the camp. Uh, it's like a three or four day camp. And uh, I actually won my division. And then we got to go kick in the stadium. And I guess as a, you know, as an upcoming ninth grader in the stadium, um, I kicked and, and if you made it, they let you keep going. So I was the only one left. And this went from eighth grade all the way to 12th grade. And I was the only one left. And I kicked a 55 yarder in the stadium. Um, that's in the, in the little competition. And, and uh, I guess I a little trophy. I won that. And I guess my dad kind of realized then that this was maybe a little bit bigger than he thought. Um, you know, he kind of stayed on me about practices. And we would go to that. We went to that camp every year at that. So I got ended up getting a lot of letters and some, and um, actually got offered by this my junior year of high school, and um, and Mississippi State my senior year of high school. What was that first offer like? Were you kind of blown away? Like, okay, this is a real thing. Like, I can go kick in the SEC. What was? What do you remember about the first time you got like a major college football offer? And you're like, okay, this is this is real. Well, I was um, – the Cutler was the head coach at the time, and I went up for a junior day, and I think we went to the locker room, and you have kind of like an ex- – kind of, I guess, you know, and I wouldn't call it an exit, um, not like an official visit, but he told me he wanted, wanted to talk to me, and he came in the locker room. We sat down on the couch, and uh, my dad was in there as well, and, and he just started talking about kicking, started talking about football, and, you know, we – we've seen you play, we've seen your videos, we've uh, watched all your highlights. And um, we just want to know that, that, you know, right now you're being offered a scholarship to play, you know, as, as a kicker here at Ole Miss. And yeah, I was kind of overwhelmed. I didn't know what to think. You know, I wasn't expecting it. You know, I, I knew I had done well and um, I thought I was a pretty good kicker, but I had no clue that they thought I was that good. So, when you're learning that, like what's in your mind, like what is the difference between a high school kicker and then one that can go play at the next level? Is it simply just leg strength? I imagine accuracy has to factor in. Like what, how would you describe like the difference between a college ready kicker than your, you know, pretty good typical average high school kicker? Well, at the time it's, it's kind of funny you ask that because at the time I'd never kicked off the ground. So I had a little half inch. Now I did have a half inch tee. Most of the um, kickers in high school, um, you can use a one inch tee. Um, and they may even, I think they may, you know, may have gone higher than that at some point, but I had a little half inch tee and I, I never kicked off the ground. So, um, 
I knew that I would have to make that transition, but I knew I probably wasn't ready because I'd never done it. Um, and I remember Ole Miss invited me up to a, a, a camp my senior year, and it wasn't a kicking camp. It was just kind of like a, you know, just a camp, a camp that they have right now for all position players. And I knew what they were going to want me to do, and they were going to want me to kick in front of them, and I had never kicked off the ground. So um, I got some some advice of not to go to that camp and to okay. uh, to maybe fake fake a fake a, a trip a family trip that we were going on and couldn't make it. Um, but it really did um, it really did take me. Les Binkley was a senior when I got redshirted, so they you know he was a great kicker and they had him. It really did take me probably a good six months to really get comfortable kicking off the ground. So if I would have showed up at Ole Miss and they, you know, and they would have said, you know, as far as being, you know, college ready, SEC ready, I, w- I don't think I would have been able to do it. Not, a, not at the, um, you know, especially not like I, like I did do it having a year under my belt to just train just, just on kicking. You get to Ole Miss, what was the recruiting process like? like? I mean, we talked about the offers and whatnot. Like, how many offers did you have? Did you grow up an Ole Miss fan? What was the ultimate decision-making process like? I grew up a Mississippi State fan, actually. My dad went to Mississippi State, and um, my brother was a huge Ole Miss fan. He never went to Ole Miss, but he loved Ole Miss growing up. I remember we had these little statues in our room, and I had a Bulldog, and he had a Rebel. Um but I think probably the deciding factor was um, I had some good buddies that were going to Ole Miss, and I think I'd just gone up to Oxford a little bit more maybe as I got older. I did go to uh, Mississippi State some when I was younger, but as I got older, closer to my senior year, I traveled to Oxford a few times, and 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 my brother brought up, brought up a good point during the whole process. He's like, man, you know that Eli Manning is going to be the quarterback, you know, if you go up there, and he's like, you know how much exposure that you could possibly get, and you know you're you're um, you're going to be on TV probably every game, because uh, I guess back in the day, you know, you weren't always guaranteed to be on TV like they are today. Um, so that was probably a huge deciding factor that you know Eli was going to be the quarterback at Ole Miss at the time. So you get to Ole Miss, you're the 2000 class, so that's the 2000 season. You mentioned you redshirt. What is the transition like? I know they bring you all guys in at specialists. I imagine you punted some too. What was the transition to Ole Miss like, and when did you realize, like, I'm going to be a kicker, not a punter? Was that clear from day one? What was that kind of like once you got into a college program? It was clear from day one. They they recruited me to kick. Um, I punted just a little bit. I mean, I was the punter in, in high school for our team, sure. but I never – I never practiced on that. That wasn't my forte. They had uh, Cody Ridgeway, good, my good buddy. He was, you know, they had already signed him to be the punter. Um, so I kind of knew what I was coming in to do, and that's what they told me they wanted me to do. Okay. So did you know Cody coming into Ole Miss? Where is he from? He's from Jackson, Tennessee. I did not know him. Uh, I met him the summer before we actually came into Oxford, um, but ended up li- we ended up living together a few years, and great friend of mine. Awesome teammate. So you kicked a little bit in 01, and then it seemed like, again, I'm having to go back through the archives. I was seven, eight years old at the time, not to, not to date you, but like it was your, your guys' era is kind of the first like conscious memories I have of, you know, going to games and watching Ole Miss. You start kicking a little bit in 01. It seems like you won the job full time in 02. How did that kind of happen? Is that accurate? No, I actually, I, I won the job in 01. So okay. I, I was the start. Yeah, I was the starter from 01 to 04. 
so you win the job. What is that like in camp? Are you competing against another guy? People talk about quarterback compositions, you know, position battles, whatnot. What is it like? Were you competing against anyone? Did you know you had the gig? What is a kicker competition like? Um, yes, I was and, and, and another great friend of mine, Lee Rogers, was there and he was a year ahead of me. And he had I think Lee had actually kicked off uh, the season before. And he was a, he was really good. I mean, like really, really good place kicker. And I, I really didn't know if I could beat him out. Um, he was that good. And um, um, fortunately for for myself, I did I did end up winning that job. But it was it was a pretty tough battle uh, my redshirt freshman year because Lee had kicked off. So he he had actually been you know he had played in games. He had been through that. He'd had the experience. Um, but I, like I said, I ended up winning the job, but it was a very, very tough battle to do that. What's a kicking battle like? Is it just simply who's the most accurate in practice? Are there any more details to it? Like, what is it actually like going through a kicking battle in preseason camp? Uh, well, yeah, it, it's mainly preseason, like you said. Um, you know, we kick, we have scrimmages and, you know, they'll, they'll say, you know, fourth and three from, you know, wherever they'll holler field goal team and, um, it was kind of back and forth. So Lee would get, you know, Lee would get to kick one. I would do the the next kick and scrimmages. Then we had the um the um it's not the Grove Bowl, but it was a Meet the Rebels. So we had the Meet the Rebels scrimmage they used to do. And we um we were in the stadium, and that's probably the last scrimmage we actually had before the start of season. And we had, I think I went, I ended up going maybe like five for five or six of six. And they were scripted kicks, so they just they just put us out, um, you know, from different different um, yardages that they already had scripted. And um, I, like I said, I, I don't I don't know if I missed one, but I think that that may have been the deciding factor um, when after that little. But it, like I said, it was neck and neck. Lee's Lee's a great kicker, and I was fortunate enough to beat him, but I don't want to do it again. I can I can certainly imagine that. How do you actually figure that out? Is it like they do with the QB competition sometimes where they sit both guys down in a room? It's like, hey, we're going to go with him as the starter. You know, don't get discouraged and one play away, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you actually like, – how do you actually figure out you won the job in 01? Man, you're asking – it's 22 years ago. I don't even <laughs> – I don't know if I even remember that other than the fact that maybe Coach Versace, uh Richard Versace was our um, – was our special teams coach. And I, I think I just remember him telling me in the hall, um, like in passing, Hey man, you're going to start this week. You know, I think that was, that was it. Uh, I, I, I can't, I can't truly remember, I truly can't remember, you know, what, how it went down, but I think that's how it went down. Okay. I bet one you can remember. Do you remember your first big kick? The first time you're walking out on the field, I would have, you know, someone who knows nothing about kicking, I'd have been like, okay, let's just get this shit airborne. I'm about to wet myself out <laughs> here on this stage. What do you remember your first big kick? Well, I don't know about first big kick, but the first time I think we were playing Murray state or middle Tennessee state, that was like our first game of the season. And the first extra point that um, I actually got to attempt it was uh, the snap was rolled, kind of bounced back there. And so I had to stop and my leg was suspended in the air behind me. And I just kind of one, I just kind of one leg, you know, just kind of swung my leg and, 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 and kind of putted it through. Uh, I didn't get to go through the whole motion because I had to stop and let um, my holder get the ball down. So that was pretty nerve wracking there. Um, but I, like I said, that's probably, my big memory of at first of, you know, finally getting out there and getting that uh, first kick out of the way. And it was a, 
I snapped kind of bounced back there and, and I had to stop. So um, it's always good when you get that first one out of the way. When you win the job and you become the starting kicker, do you have, is there like a self-confidence process that you go through, whether you make your first field goal or you make a 40 or a 50 or whatever it is, was, did you have to kind of prove to yourself throughout that first year of college that you're the starter that like, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I can do this. Like, this is, this is something I'm pretty good at. Yeah. I think it's just with anything else, you know, um, anytime you're, you're doing well, it's going to breed confidence. Um, it's just like with any sport, you know, you, you hit one kind of, I don't know if you play golf, but I play, I play a fair amount of golf. And, you know, if it's like, if you hit a, if you hit a shank or something, it just gets in your head, you know, you just yeah. gotta, you got to, you've got to have a short memory. And it's the same thing with kicking. Um, it can get in your head as well. You just got to have a short memory and just try to try to have positive thoughts. So this will settle an age-old debate amongst my family friends. My father's friend is a guy named Brian Owen who kicked at Ole Miss back in the 80s. And I remember as a kid. I know having, Brian. Yeah, okay. And so yeah, I know Ole Brian. Miss kicked your family here. So my when you watch kicks on TV, it looks like they're not going straight the whole time. It looks like they're curving one way or another. But I remember them arguing one time where my dad was thinking that, like, hey, you can definitely curve the ball as a kicker. And I think Brian Owen was like, that's the biggest crock, you know, whatever. You just kick the ball straight. Do you actually curve the football or do you just kick the sucker straight? What is settled the debate for me? Uh, well, I think after you've done it long enough, you kind of know your ball flight. Kind of like, you know, because like I said, I just relate kind of like a lot of kicking with golf. So after you swing enough and you hit enough balls, you kind of you kind of get used to and you, you just play your ball flight. Uh, my ball flight was had a little bit of a draw on it. Now, was I trying to draw it? No, I was not trying to draw it. That was just my natural ball flight. So I would have to end up, you know, playing that. And so I did kind of in, aim inside, like a little inside right, because I knew that it, my ball was going to draw towards the end of it. What was the first 50-yarder long kick that you made that you realized you had some range? Does that stick out at all? Um. Probably the Vandy. I think I may have made a fifty-yarder before Vandy in in a um, in O three, but actually in Vandy in O three, um, I hit that one and I thought I hit it terrible. I actually put my head down and and you know was was cussing myself because it, it, it just came off like such a terrible kick and. Um, and I looked up and it was is actually moving back left in. And I think when it was a 54 yarder and I think it went through, it probably would have had, you know, probably another five to seven yards on it. But um, that's when I realized, like I said, I, I felt like I hit such a bad kick, but it still went that far. So I guess that's, what, that's when I probably realized that. I mean, I knew I always had pretty good range. Um, I wasn't I didn't have the the strongest leg ever, you know, I was, I was accurate too, but I had a pretty good leg. Not like these guys today, you know, that can kick at 70 yards. Um, but I had, I had a decent, I had decent range. It's funny you mentioned that one because I was actually watching a video before we started doing this interview. That was actually the game deciding kick. I believe y'all won that game 24, 21, and you had actually yeah. made a 50 yarder earlier in that game. Mm -hmm. So that was like a further back one slightly. So you're telling me when you, when you, when it came off the leg, you're like, man, I hit this really bad. And all of a sudden it just goes through. Oh man, it was terrible. I thought, I thought it was. I didn't think it had a chance. Um, I it, it was more kind of like a line drive, and I hit the ground a little bit. And I mean, the way it started out being a little right, 
I just knew there was no way that it was going to come that far back in um, left. And it did. Uh, I remember I was kind of put my head down and Cody Ridgeway was my holder and he started tapping. He started tapping on my head like a little faster. He had his hand on my head and he was watching. He just started tapping on my head a little faster as the, as the ball, as the kick was getting, you know, getting closer to coming in. My my daughter and my um, youngest son just ran up here. They just got out of the bath. Hey, y'all go downstairs. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So he was tapping your head, and then you look up, and it just goes through? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I kind of looked up because I knew he was tapping a little faster because, you know, he was like – and then he, he's – you know, I could tell that he was watching. He was getting a little excited by the tapping a little faster. So I looked up, and it, it just came right back through. For uh, it's I watched a press conference of Caden Davis, Ole Miss's current kicker now, and it was crazy to me was he was like a he was a punter at A and M who had a massive leg and kicked a little bit, but wasn't very accurate. And then all of a sudden he shows up at Ole Miss and just like wins the job. And I remember I can't remember before or after the two lane game he did a a press conference which cracked me the hell up because he was talking about his range and that like with the wind, he made like a 70 yarder and practice at A&M, but he basically the gist of it was he apparently told Kiffin before that game, if you get around midfield, I'm good. Like anything 65 and in, I'm good. What were those conversations like with Cutcliffe? I can't imagine you ever said, Hey, if you get toward midfield, like I got this. No, I, I never, I never thought to say that about, about going that far. Um, I do know like, like that Vanderbilt game, he he did tell Cody. He said, "Go ask him." It was third down, and uh, he said uh, he sent Cody over to ask me. He said, "If we don't get it, if we don't get the first down here, does he think he can hit it?" And uh, and I think right. I don't think we got any yards on the play, and it was at fifty four. And I said, "Yeah, tell him I'm good." And um and you know he and you know as soon as we didn't get the we didn't pick up any yardage, and it was fourth down. He called a field goal. Do you actually have a real answer there? Like, do you have any choice? Like, is there, like, can you actually say, like, I actually, no, I can't do this? <laughs> uh, I don't think you want to say, no, I can't do this. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all realistic. I mean, he knew that he had seen me kick. So he knew that he wouldn't have asked the question if he, if he didn't, you know, if he didn't think that I had a pretty good chance of making it. You have an incredible 2003 season. You win the Groza Award. You're, you know, three, four years removed coming out of high school. What was that like? Was it surprising to you at all? Was there ever a moment when you win that award? Like, okay, I'm the best kicker in the country. Like, I can't believe this happened. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, very surprising. I mean, I knew the season was going well, but I didn't, you know, I didn't. That's one thing I really didn't know. I guess I didn't know a whole lot about. I mean, I knew what the Groza Award. I knew it was like, you know, kind of the kind of the best kicker award, but I just, it, it, I wasn't really thinking about that during the, during the season. Um, that wasn't running through my mind a whole lot um, of actually, you know, one becoming a, a semifinalist, then becoming a finalist and then winning it. Um, you know, there was a guy, that, Nate Kading, who had, I think he had won it maybe the year before from Iowa and he had another great season. And I, I was kind of thinking in my mind um, that he was probably going to win it again um, just him having another great year. But, um, but no, to answer your question, it just, uh, very overwhelming, um, very awesome. Um, uh, you know, just a, just a, a, a great, a great, um, uh, great season. Great, um, great, uh, award, you know, that I win, but, it, but like I said, I, I didn't, I never thought in this, in, in this world that I won that award, you know? We'll get back to Jonathan in just one second, but before we do, I want to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted Tea. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experience. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg if you're Rippy Wright subscriber. That's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now it's three six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 evaluation you're getting there for $20. Just go in, show Greg proof of subscription, tell him you know about the Rippy Rights newsletter. He'll get you set up and then go find all of your own favorites. It's the greatest butcher shop in the world. Incredible cuts of meat. I love the fillet burgers. All kinds of delicious sausages. The tri-tip is incredible. It's truly a gem of Oxford and a gem of the South. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Back to Jonathan. What's the psychology behind pressure kicking? Because I imagine kicking a 45-yarder in the middle of a second quarter against the South Carolina or whoever it may be versus, hey, the game's on the line. How do you how do you manage the nerves of realizing the game's riding on your foot? Is that something you ever practiced in terms of just like taking mental reps? What is it actually like dealing with the pressure of like, hey, this entire football game for three hours now resides on my right foot? I don't think you look at it that in that way. I think you just look at it as that that's something that you do and that's your job and you know you go through coaches put you try to put you through situations um in practice where the whole team's around you and 
screaming and yelling and they're all standing about two feet from you when you're kicking and everything. So, you know, it's just something that you've trained for. Um, and I mean, you know, pressure is going to, everybody feels pressure, you know, but people, people handle it in different ways. Um, but you just gotta, you just gotta uh, go with your fundamentals and, you know, like I said, I, I, I relate a lot of stuff to golf and just, you know, keeping your head down and, and your follow through, you know, and that's all you're trying to concentrate on because you can't do anything about the, about the noise and, and, and about anything like that, about the situation you're in. You just got to kind of go with, with, you know, your fundamentals and your training and, and your experience. Whether it's Ole Misses the season or like NFL hard knocks, the kickers, like the way they practice always cracks me up because like, obviously you can only really do a couple of things, right? You stretch, you kick, you do whatever. What is practice like on a weekly basis for a kicker? Like, what did you do? <laughs> it's probably changed a little bit since I was there. Um, I can't speak for them because I'm not um, – I don't know what Coach Kiffin does with his uh, kickers uh, these days. But we would go about 45 minutes before everybody else did. We'd stretch, we'd warm up, and our first two periods were field goal and punting um, and kick if we had, if we were doing it that day. And then after that, we'd go back into the locker room and we would lift weights, work on anything that we need to work on, um, you know um, – Watch TV sometimes. Uh, had any more schoolwork that you had to get done, we would do that. Um, I remember one time we actually ordered a pizza um, up to the <laughs> locker room, um, and then we would uh, we would go we would go back out and run with the team. Uh, that was our only thing is we had to go back out to run with the team at the end of practice. So we were done. We were done. You know, um, first two periods in is what we had to do. What's it actually like building leg strength? What do you do to gain a stronger leg to get more range? Um, I think anything, any any leg weight you can do. Um, any, any squatting is good. A bunch, we did a bunch of um, quad work and a bunch of hamstring work. So that's it's kind of where a lot of your strength comes from is your hamstring and your flex and your uh, quads and your flexibility. Um, I was very flexible. Um, it helps. You know, now probably uh, I wouldn't call myself a, a, a very fast twitch guy because um, some of these guys are. I mean, Caden Davis is probably a really fast twitch guy because you just don't have that much thump on the ball unless you are. Um, so some of those guys aren't aren't the most flexible guys in the world uh, just because it seems like their muscles are wound so tight. That's how they, you know, when they when they come back and they kick through it, it's just they, they really blast it. Um but it just, you know, just your normal. We we did a lot of um, hamstring and we did a lot of quad work. This we did a lot of balance work as well. Okay. So this is probably a stupid question, but I've always wondered this. Sometimes on television when you have a kick and it's hugging it upright and it's like I can't actually tell if that went in or not, particularly like if it goes over the upright, you're just kind of looking at the zebras below to see if they say, you know, make or miss. From your vantage point, kicking the football, did you like? Did you always know whether you made or missed one, or did you ever rely on the officials uh, under the upright to tell you whether it happened or not? Like, can you see it pretty clearly? Um, in 03, when we won at the swamp, I still don't know if I made that. I think it was a <laughs> it was a short kick. We had a I made a thirty five yarder first, and then we had a short one. Right, I think it was maybe right before halftime. And I kicked it, and uh, and Cody looked at me. He said, "I don't think that was good." And uh, and I said, "Man, I don't even know." I said, "I couldn't tell." I think it's because of where the sun was. I said, "I couldn't tell either." And the refs called it good. And he said, "Man, I think you got away with that one." I said, "I couldn't really tell either." But 
I still don't know if that one was good. I guess at, at some point they saw it go over the upright because um, to him and, and, and kind of a little bit to me, it looked like it went a little right of the upright, but um, I'll take it. You mentioned the golf aspect. Depth perception is a big thing in golf. I also somewhat seemingly equate it to like a free throw shooter in a different gym or just a shooter in a different gym. Are there harder stadiums to kick in than others as far as backdrop, what you're watching, what you're seeing? Is there Are there harder places to kick in than others? Um, I don't think the depth perception of uh, is probably is what makes it harder. I think it's it's the situation and it's the, it's the um, the crowd. I know um, same thing in '03 when we were at Auburn. I remember I watched that game the other night and they were talking about how loud that stadium was. How Jordan Hare was so so loud, and I remember I was probably about two feet away from Cody and we were talking during that game and we could not understand what you, each other were saying. Um, because it was that loud. Um, same season, 03, in, in the swamp. Um, sometimes, have you ever seen that movie, um, For the Love of the Game? Yeah. Okay, you know how um, Kevin Costner gets out there and he's thinking about all those things and then he says, clear the mechanism? Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like a kicker, or, or that was kind of my thing. I didn't say clear the mechanism, but once I got out there, I couldn't hear anything. And um, that game, I remember Cody was – was um, he would put his hand down. He'd look at me um, for a head nod, and then he would, you know, flash his hand for the ball. Well, he put his hand – he looked at me. He looked back down. He looked at me. He looked back down. Time was running out, and he just snapped the ball. And uh, he came over there after after the kick. What are, you, what are you doing? Why didn't you give me a head nod? I said, man, I could out of my head i could hear every person in that stadium okay so it's mostly about just kind of silencing everything around you what is the most uh when you make a kick and you win a game whether it's vanderbilt or through or whatever what is that feeling like after it happens and you know this game is now over because that thing went through the uprights what's kind of the initial moments like oh man it's a great feeling um you know of course, you gotta always remember it's not just you that's doing it. You gotta you got a um, line blocking for you. You got a snapper holder. So um, I always tried my best to you know, always go um, give those five and congratulate them as well. You know, because like I said, you can't do it by yourself. You always got a you got a whole team, whole group that you got to count on. So, but it's a great you know when you get that done, just going out there and doing your job. When you have a big kick like that, I remember I talked to. Will Gleason and Gary Wonderlick for a story back in 2017. I think it was on Wonderlick. And Wonderlick was like, I don't want anyone to say anything to me before a kick. And like the one person that could was Gleason, which was his kicking battery. He was the holder. And it was when he made the game winner in 17 or 16, whenever that was at AM. And he was real nervous. And all of a sudden, Gleason just looked at him and asked him some random question about like a homework assignment they had to do. And he just kind of laughed and that loosened him up to go out there. Did you want people say anything to you? What was it kind of like? on the sideline before you knew a moment. It's like, okay, I got to make a big kick here. I kind of think nobody, I think everybody, you know, if you play sports, everybody knows that kind of like talking to the guy throwing no hitter. You don't go say anything about his no hitter. Um, I think everybody kind of knew that. And yeah, Cody was probably the only one that really, you know, that really talked to me. There were some other, you know, Lee and, and uh, Lee Rogers and, um, the snapper and stuff, they would, we were pretty close knit units. So we would talk. Um, but Cody was probably the main one, you know, if anybody said anything to me, it was probably him. 
Um, and I would always just tell him to remind me when I get out just because I could, so I wouldn't get caught up in the moment is for him to tell me to keep my head down. So usually that was his thing. When we got out there, he'd say, you know, uh, forget it and keep your head down. So um, that, that, that helped a whole lot. I know LSU 03 is a bit of a sore subject for, you know, everybody involved in that game, but you win the Groza award last year, uh, that year, you miss a couple of kicks in that game. I read an old story. I can't even remember where I found it, where you got interviewed after the game and you mentioned on one, you missed. It's like, Hey, I just, I, I made a good like stroke follow through. It just didn't go in. Are there sometimes as a kicker, you're just at the mercy of physics. Like what is that like when it just doesn't go your way and you felt like you did your job fine mechanically? Well, that was one kick. I probably thought that I did everything that I could. Cause that was one that I remember Cody. I remember myself saying, keep your head down. And like you said, it was a big, you know, big situation. Um, and, and, and Cody, Cody did, you know, told me to keep my head down and I, and I did keep my head down and I hit the ball great. It's probably one of the best thing kicks that I've ever had. Um, and then look up and you see that it's not, it's not drawing, it's going straight, but I mean, it happens, you know, there were other kicks that, that, that I had during um, seasons and, and, and that season happens. It's just sometimes, you know, just as far as the way the ball comes off your foot, it might be, but directionally it's not always going where you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know um, as far as physics. I mean, I, I that, you know, if, if, if you had to do it over again, then of course I would have, I would have, um, I would have paid for the ball not to draw and lined up a little bit more straight, but you know, I line up off, off muscle memory and ball usually does. And it did usually draw just a little bit. And, um, and for whatever reason, I crushed that ball and it just went, it just came off straight, beautiful kick. It just didn't move. How do you pick yourself back up off the mat after a game like that in a situation like that? I, I can't imagine you know, the pressure you're feeling going in and everything that happens after. How do you rebound from a game like that? Uh, you just got to, like I said earlier, you just got to have a short memory. You know, the most important kick is going to be your next one, you know. Kind of, um, you know, just, it, it, I mean, it's tough. You always think about it, um, but you just can't let it get the best of you. Like I said, you got to. You got to lean on your experience, lean on your fundamentals, lean on what you, you know, you've been, you've been working, you know, um, for the better part of your life, uh, doing kicking or I had, um, fundamentals and, and doing it a long time. You just gotta, you gotta put it, you gotta get it, put it behind you and realize there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Do you have a good Eli story? Did he ever talk to you about a kick? Did he ever say anything? What, uh, what do you remember playing with him? No, man, he was pretty cool. Um, I mean, I, we hung out, we hung out a fair amount. No, I mean, he, he didn't say anything to me, uh, you know, much. He just, just, what's up kicker, you know, all the time. And, um, you know, as far as a, about kick or anything, about kicking or anything, he didn't, he did anything. I, I do remember, um, I don't know if you remember this, um, but Peyton was in the Grove and Eli um, had told us to come over to 10 after the game. We'd played an early game um that week and we all went over to drove after it to over to Eli's tent Peyton was there and um we walk up that I don't know if you remember do you remember the incident with Mike Jack yeah I did Peyton so I don't know all the details of what happened but I do know that like they I think he was mouthing off Vander was mouthing off and um you know Peyton had pretty much he's just a kicker he's just a you know um, just kind of, you know, shutting him down on, on talking, 
And uh, we walk up, and, uh, you know, he's like, hey, Pace, this is uh, Jonathan Nichols. This is our kicker. And he's, he said, he, he looked at me, shook my hand. He's like, damn, kicker. Just shook his head. <laughs> that, that's pretty good. That seems like very Peyton-esque. Man, that's uh, that's funny. So that, that year, oh, I yeah. came back oh, for yeah. another year. In 03, you guys win 10 games. You go to the Cotton Bowl. It was really kind of a revival of a program. Did you guys kind of understand the weight of what that season meant in the moment? I'm sure you did probably after the fact, but did you kind of understand the significance of it at the time? Uh, I think we did. I think everybody knew, you know, it, it was kind of tough. Just, you know, we lost the we lost the Texas Tech game, and then we, we lose the, the Memphis game. So I can remember calling my dad just, being really frustrated and telling him, you know, I just thought that I know we're better. This and, 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 you know, we, we, it just seems like we can't put it together, but I know we're better than this. We had no business losing to either one of those teams, um, especially Memphis. I thought that year, although they had, you know, they had a great team and so did Texas tech. I just thought we were, you know, we were the team. We just, we just didn't win the game. Um, but then we got on a hot streak and, and, you know, when we got to that, that LSU game, it, I think that was when we realized and how good we played LSU and then LSU going on to win the national title, you know, I think that really, really kind of stuck in our, our minds of, you know, that's, that's how good we were and that's how close we were. We'll finish up with Jonathan in just one second, but before we do, I want to take one more quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. A crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every week, so there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. With many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from farm to your door for peak ripeness you can taste. I love HelloFresh. It makes the nighttime a lot easier, particularly when you're into a busy schedule. You can just pop something open quick from HelloFresh. makes it very easy to put together a nutritious, delicious meal without the hassle of having to try to figure out what you want to make and what you want to cook on a given night. Check them out today. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50MPW. That is HelloFresh.com slash 50MPW for 50% off plus free shipping. Check them out today. This podcast is brought to you by Caldera. Fall is here, gentlemen, and it's about to get busy during the holidays. Don't let that stop you from sticking to your habits and being the best version of yourself. That's where our friends at Caldera Lab come in. These guys are the best in the skincare game, and with an easy routine, keep your face looking pretty no matter the schedule. Plus, what's better than a gift of clear skin? Join the over 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best self and first impression this fall. Plus, it's a great gift. Let's agree on one thing. You're going to brush your teeth today. Incorporating skincare steps before it guarantees to not mess up your routine, leaving your breath fresh and your face refreshed. Caldera Lab creates high-performance skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup. A twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. And just for our audience, we have an exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Get 20% off right now by using code MPW at calderalab.com for 20% off right now. Check them out today. This podcast is now brought to you by MC Speech Therapy. Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder? MC Speech Therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home. 
Other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC Speech Therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic. Using a relationship-based framework, MC Speech Therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Mary Claire Boudreaux's doctorate-level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is M-A-R-Y-C-L-A-I-R-E at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. Still to this day, the Travis Johnson pick six, even with the renovations and whatnot, maybe the loudest I've ever heard that stadium in my life. It was just an electric day all around. What was the transition after Ole Miss like? Did you try your hand at professional football at all? Did you go straight into the corporate world? Did you consider it all kicking professionally? Uh, yeah, I was I was um, signed as a free agent by the Vikings um, after the draft. So I was there, um, went up to minicamp, rookie minicamp. I was there over the summer. And I was released. Um, I was released right before training camp, before games, and um, and then I came back. And I'd actually, I was really frustrated with that. I thought I'd had a pretty good showing up there, but the the coach at the time had told me that they wanted to re-sign me um, after the and, and for NFL Europe. And um, and I was, you know, at the time I was just really frustrated. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if they really. You know, I didn't sign anything for that, so I didn't know if they that was something that they told guys they ever actually followed up with that. Well, the coach actually gets fired during season, so I had already taken a job. I was living in Houston, Texas at the time, and um, and they called me. I was actually back in Greenwood. It was MLK Day, so we were off on that Monday, and I was going to drive back to Houston, and I get a call at like 7.30 in the morning and it was the Vikings, and they they um, said, "Hey, we want to re-sign you to um, play NFL Europe." I said, "Well, man, I've I've taken a job in Houston, Texas." I said, uh, "I gotta let me see what I can do with this." And they're like, "All right, well, we need to know, you know, in 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 like forty eight hours, I think was you know a timeline." So I actually um, called the the um, president of our of company at the time, who had actually interviewed me and given me the job and. And, uh, you know, we talked and uh, he wished me well. And I drove out to Houston, packed my stuff, drove back to Oxford and started training and went to NFL Europe and uh, and injured my groin probably second day. Oh, God. Down there, sent me to Birmingham for uh, re sent me to Birmingham for rehab. And I was thought that I'd had to do like a month and a half to two month rehab um, before they would release me or they would do surgery but it could have been a sports hernia and uh i rehabbed i was good to go they flew me up to minnesota doctors checked me out and they released me and and i came back to oxford and um and worked out a little bit i didn't get any calls and i just you know i just said it's i'm i'm sick of living out of living out of a space i I need some stability in my life and so um i went back to work i didn't go to dental school at that time um i actually work in another job i went to dental probably um i think it was 2000 so i was about 28 29 when i started school 
that life as a professional kicker is just a total crapshoot. You mentioned thinking you had a pretty good camp. It actually, in some ways, and you would know a hell of a lot more about it than me, but like sometimes it doesn't even seem like how good you do. It's just like you have to be perfect, then the opportunity has to come, and then you have to continue to be perfect. Like it's not even anything about how you perform. There's just so limited jobs. They don't spend draft picks on kickers. Like I imagine part of the frustration was just like, this is almost like a dead end. There's just so few of these jobs. I mean, you see in Sunday night football or Monday night football every year, it's like this guy was selling insurance 10 days ago and somebody had a hamstring injury. So now he's kicking in an NFL game. It just seems like a total crapshoot in my opinion. It is. It, it, you know, they're, they're expendable. They keep 32. Um, there's no backup kickers. Now, you know, you're lucky sometimes your punter, uh, may have kicked, you know, somewhere along the way. So he can pick you up if you get hurt, if the kicker gets hurt during the game. Um, but, yeah, that's how it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, looking back at it, there were some guys that I knew that kind of stayed on the circuit and they got in. Uh, you know, they were in my same same as me in my situation. Somebody got hurt and they end up kicking for a few years. Um, I mean, in, in, in hindsight, you know, I guess I could have. But at the, at the time, I just, like I said, I just I wanted and needed some stability. Um, I just didn't, you know, I just, I guess – Seeing those guys up there, and I think my my weak point was my kickoffs, and I didn't know if there was anything that I could do to really make my leg that much stronger at the time. Um, and I guess I kind of knew uh, deep down, even though accuracy-wise, I probably charted just as good as or better than the guys that they had and they ended up going with at the time. Um, but I, I just did have – they wanted – they were kind of training away from guys that were doing – uh, a guy j that just did kickoffs and a guy that just field goals. Um, and they were wanting a guy to do it all, uh, minus punting. But, um, that was probably where I just lagged behind a good. And so I guess I kind of knew that, yeah, I could probably go out there and, and, and accuracy wise, I could have, I could have played with those guys. I could have been a good kicker, but, um, kickoff wise, I probably, that was probably where, where my weakness was. As we wrap up here, you're the featured athlete of the week. How often do you make it back for games? What do you think it'll be like walking into the stadium again? Uh, we were at the LSU game, uh, okay. we had, and we also drove down to watch them, watch them play Tulane. Uh, New Orleans not too far from here. Uh, but I've had season tickets for a lot of years now. But just being where my kids are with their ages and uh, activities and things, we probably we probably average maybe one games making it a year i mean i would love to go to all of them but um but uh usually i'll just give my tickets away or something to somebody um so they can use them but um about once or twice a year i love i love coming back you know i hope one of my kids decides to to go there so we can give my wife and i an excuse to get a place up there one day i imagine having the 03 team back together lsu weekend was a pretty special experience i mean it was cool for everyone in the stadium just watching you guys on the field i bet that was pretty awesome Oh yeah, man. It was, it was great. Just seeing, just seeing those guys that I hadn't seen in a while and, um, you know, just picking right back up where we left off, you know, we were, we were a really close knit team and, um, it was just great just getting to be around those guys. And even coach Cutcliffe was there and, uh, getting to see and visit with him. It was, it was a great experience. I wish they would, uh, get us together a little bit more often. Last thing I have for you. If I told you you had five minutes to stretch, what's the furthest kick you can make today? <laughs> Uh, probably I may push it a little bit, um, past an extra point, but you got the question that you need to <laughs> ask is, is how the question that you need to ask is how sore am I going to be for about two weeks after I do that? Okay. Would you, how, how, if you had to make like a 40 yarder, how many tries would it take and how sore would you be? 
Uh, I don't know. It may take me a couple of tries, but I, I guarantee you that I would feel it uh, for a good two to three weeks. <laughs> That's the perfect answer. He is Jonathan Nichols, Ole Miss great. I really appreciate the time, man. I enjoyed this a lot. I appreciate you joining the show, and I hope you all have a wonderful weekend back in Oxford. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for our show today. Really appreciate Jonathan's time. Hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did doing it. Learned a lot. Really appreciate him joining the show. We'll be back on Sunday with Weldon. Y'all have a safe, happy weekend, and we will catch you on Sunday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.